Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast presented by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. I'm Ross Levitan alongside Brandon Pillar on the heels of a historic night across Major League Sports in North America except for one. Take a wild guess which, but there were great hockey games played last night, including a blowout and a back-and-forth third-period affair. We'll get into all of that, and penalties came down for the Arizona Coyotes, and it affects your Ottawa Senators. All that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Thursday, August 27th. We've got a great show, lots to get into, but we have to start with the most pressing news of the day, and that's the fact that the National Hockey League went on with their games as the MLB, NBA, and MLS and WNBA as well all issued protests and decided not to play in their games. Pilsy, was it right to have NHL hockey last night? When you start looking at the rest of the sports world and seemingly every other league took part in this protest, it's pretty hard to justify what the NHL did. I mean, like, sure, they had an earlier start to the day. The first game was at 3 o'clock. So that game happens, but then I think you need to look at protesting the next two later games because when, when you're the only one that's not doing it that is a tough tough look and a quick little couple sentences before the games that doesn't cut it that doesn't get things done around here in this world and they need to do a better job of making a better statement than that it was uh, almost a pathetic statement in a sense like when when you look at what they said one of the parts on the screen i mean this huge sign says end racism oh i guess it's solved now um, one of the, one of the other parts in the statement, he goes, the NHL would like to take this moment to wish Jacob Blake and his family well, and call out our fans and communities to stand up for social justice and the effort. This shooting happened on Sunday. This is Wednesday. It's clearly that they don't really care. It's just, oh, this is we reactionary. Have to, we have to do bare minimum. So from that standpoint, pretty disappointed in the NHL all around. I mean, there's no secret that it's the most predominantly white sport and, man, I, it must suck to be Nazem Kadri or one of the other guys who had to play last night. And you're like, man, you're looking around. You're like, man, nobody gives a, gives a care at all. So, um, yeah, pretty disappointing from the NHL. And uh, we'll be following that as it goes. Although I know when you listen to the Lockdown Senators podcast, you're looking for, for hockey talk. You want We're here. We're, we're trying to make uh, light of this time where it's 200-plus days between Ottawa Senators games, but it's impossible to ignore the the garbage that uh, that's been going on. And uh, yeah, Pilsy, we we gotta we gotta do better as a collective. So um, hopefully the NHL understands that, and hopefully the, the hockey diversity alliance that was created for this exact reason, uh, parallel to the NHL, not a part of uh, their umbrella. Hopefully uh, something sparks because yeah, the the status quo clearly isn't good enough. And that's just the thing, like the the NHL can't be doing these things on simply a reactionary basis and doing a bare minimum when they're reacting. And now the NHL has put themselves in such a bad spot because let's say uh, today the players all band together and decide, no, we're protesting the games. Well, 
that's a little bit like a forced apology. You know, there's not much meaning there when you've done it after the fact everyone else did. And you're like, okay, no, now we're, we're joining, we're doing it too. See, look everyone. But that's not, that's not how this goes. You, you should be doing these kind of things for the right reasons, for the reason that you're standing up against these social injustices, not because you've been pressured by fans, media, and other leagues to do it. That's not the right reason to do it. And that really doesn't accomplish anything other than making you, the league, as in the NHL, look like they're very passive and are just letting these things happen. And you mentioned it, guys like Nazem Kadri, um, other uh, players of minority and people of color in the NHL, Evander Kane voiced his opinion. He's very disappointed in how this goes, and it's it's not good enough anymore. Maybe 10 years ago, a, a quick statement in front of a game would have cut it, but that's not cutting it today. No, definitely not, and that happened in both Toronto and in Edmonton. We'll see what the NHL has up its sleeve today. Hopefully something a little more pertinent. First game tonight, 7 p.m., Flyers and Islanders. The Golden Knights will take on the Canucks in Game 3 of their series. Both those series are tied at 1, and we'll get into why and, and who uh, Sens fans will be well aware of who contributed to the Islanders' comeback effort, although it was spoiled in overtime. Today, uh, we mentioned it's August 27th. It's 10 a.m., so we've got plenty of time before any NHL action. But the main topic, Pills, he was off the ice yesterday. The Arizona Coyotes, man. For a league that's built on drafting and developing, this is going to be an uphill climb. Ross, I just cannot fathom how bad this year has gone for the uh, the Arizona Coyotes. And th- they just can never get any momentum. Eh? It seems like just when they start picking up steam, it all comes crashing down. And I honestly don't know how they're going to recover from this. Honestly, like they're they're a team that's up against the cap. Let's let's take a look at the the year here for the Coyotes. They they're up against the cap. They're spending more money than the Leafs. I think they're spending the most money in the entire league. And they get embarrassed in the first round by the Avs when they're spending all this money. Cheka is off looking for other jobs, and then he just ends up quitting. They trade major pieces to get Taylor Hall, who, by the way, not going to be coming back. And even if they had these draft picks, they're terrible at drafting. Look at their draft history and all the guys that they reach on, they've either traded because they didn't work out and now they're working out great somewhere else, or they're just non-factors for this team. So I really don't know how long it's going to take for the Coyotes to recover. And eventually, Gary Bettman's just got to wave the white flag and say, we're scrapping this and you got to move this team because this has been a debacle for years and years with ownership problems, money problems. It seems like... This is kind of the extra child that the NHL has that the rest of the team is just banding together to support. They need to figure out a way to fix these Coyotes. And man, I hope uh, the extra treadmill running and the extra push-ups that they saw those prospects do were worth it because Gary Bettman brought the hammer down on them. Well, that's just it. And if you want to, uh, or we should, I guess, clarify why these penalties. So the penalties are the loss of a second-round pick this year and a first-round pick next year because they were illegally testing prospects for this upcoming draft when there is a scouting combine always scheduled right before the draft. It's like your final piece of, of the scouting puzzle um, is being able to to train these guys and see what kind of off-ice work habits they are and what they're putting up in the gym. But 
You can't go ahead and do that. Now, the Arizona Coyotes released a statement saying that they have new leadership now and they can be sure that this won't happen again, whereas other NHL GMs think that the penalty is stiff enough to avoid this or deter this from happening in the future with other prospects. So the good news from that is because they lose their second rounder, those Sens second round picks, they all move up. So nine out of the Sens, 13 picks. Because Ottawa's own second rounder will be before Arizona would have had an opportunity. Nine of the Sens' 13 picks have now moved up one spot. So thank you, John Chaka. Thank you, Arizona Coyotes. You have done Ottawa a nice little solid. And hey, does this mean that you get on the phone with Steve Sullivan, interim GM right now for the Coyotes, and you say, hey, the Ottawa Senators have enough picks to ice two NHL teams this season. You say, hey... What what could we get from uh, from you for a couple of those second rounders or maybe a couple of the third rounders? Would that be a phone call? And who would be something someone that would interest you off the Coyotes roster? Absolutely, that's a phone call, Ross. You, if you're Pierre Dorian, like we talked about last episode, you got to be that shark that's lurking around while the the waters are getting muddy, and then when it's time, you swoop in. And I don't think there, there's not a team in the league that has the the cap space and the draft picks that the Ottawa Senators have. So they're just waiting for teams to get desperate, and then they can get a nice deal. The Arizona Coyotes, I don't like, they're not picking till the fourth round this year, Ross. In one of the greatest drafts in our, our recent memory, they don't, they don't get to pick till like 200th. Yeah. Or no, it'll be like, like 110th. Oh, yeah, yeah, bad math there. Uh, no, not a math guy. Um, but yeah, and then next year, they don't have a first or a third. So I don't know what they're going to do. But yeah, Ottawa, there's a couple options here. They have some young talent that are on, if they perform properly, on decent contracts. Like you're looking at Christian Dvorak. He's making under $4.5 well, million. Well, Clayton Keller's $7.1 million extension kicks in next season. So yeah, they don't have much cap room at all. So if you're a GM there, I guess outside the cap, but you always want a good deal, no matter whether it's a contract or if you're looking to repair your car. And that's why you have to go to rock auto RockAuto.com. It's a family business. They serve auto parts to customers online and they've stood the test of time. They've been doing this for 20 years. All it's simple. Just go to RockAuto.com and you can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks. Best part, it's delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly, see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. There's an even better part of all this. I mentioned delivery. That's great and all. But the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same, whether you're a professional or just a do-it-yourselfer. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Just put locked on in their how did you hear about us box. That way, they'll know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. And Ross, look, 
times are getting busy. The world's kind of getting back into motion. You don't have time to make those fancy dinners you were making during the pandemic. So between your never-ending laundry, the work-from-home emails, you got so much stuff to do. Why don't you just take one thing off the list, making dinner, making lunch, and have DoorDash deliver it to you? Continue supporting the restaurants in your community safely. There are thousands of restaurants open for delivery on DoorDash that need your patronage now more than ever. Support your favorite restaurants on DoorDash. You've counted on these restaurants. They've been there for your birthdays, your anniversaries, night out with friends, celebrating a new job, whatever it is. And while their dining rooms are closed, they're still open for delivery, so you can help them out by still supporting them. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is so easy, guys. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of the local restaurants in your area are open for delivery too. DoorDash deliveries are now contactless to keep your community safe. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDONNHL, all one word. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDONNHL. Don't forget, that's LOCKEDONNHL for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. We got to get into the most wild game last night first. It was the most recent one. Dallas, Colorado, take us through that third period, Pilsy. Just this has been an absolutely crazy series. And finally, the Colorado Avalanche get what they need. And man, this was a must win game. If they go down three, nothing. They're absolutely screwed. Um, Ross, we're going to I want to look before we get into that third period. We talked yesterday about um, certain stats that the Avalanche were not getting it done. Those stats were hits and block shots. So last game. They were out hit 60 to 29 and Dallas blocked 21 shots to Colorado's measly four. And that means you need your leaders to step up and their captain did. He he stepped up 12 times and was throwing the body. Landeskog had 12 hits. That's like like a third of their hits that they had last game. Look at the numbers for this game, Ross, where they ended up winning. And uh, kind of they're starting to dig out of that hole. It's 2-1 Dallas in the series now. They out-hit Dallas 72 to 56, and the block shots were 25 to 19 for the Avs. So clearly a message was sent by Jared Bednar and the leadership group in Colorado, and things got changed around. And yeah, Landeskog, 12 hits. That's insane. Let's get into the third period now. It started out 3-1 Avs. Then the Stars score three unanswered to make it 4-3. Then the Avs tie it up. And then the Avs take the lead. Five goals in under 10 minutes. Who would have thought? I guess from the Avalanche side, they dominated against Arizona. But more or less, this Dallas team is going goal for goal with them. How much, A, does this game, even though they lost can maintain the confidence level for Dallas. They'll be fine in the next game. But 
How about if Miro Heiskanen is unavailable? He took a cross check from Miko Ranton and his countrymen. It seemed like uh, a knee on knee more than a cross check. Really? I think they just, hey, got, I just yeah, got crossed up and collided. Yeah, maybe a bit of both because he was definitely leaning in on top. And then I didn't even see the knee. But if that's the case, man, you might even be looking something more long term. And that's that's massive. Like the losing this game is one thing. You're still up 2-1 in the series if you're the Stars. But if you lose your top point-getting defenseman in Miro Heiskanen, that's a big loss. But you can't feel too sorry for them. Uh, you can't can't say the Avs lost their top point-getting defenseman, but losing Eric Johnson for the Avs was a big loss, and Grubauer's out. So you can't play the injury card for excuses there. But, Ross, I like what you said. I don't think, if you're the Dallas Stars, this loss isn't that big of a deal. You were right in this game the whole time. Kadri got a nice tip to take the lead, and that was basically the game. So I don't think you're upset or disappointed at the effort that these guys gave if you're Rick Bonus, because you, they also outshot the Avs again. So they're right, right there. And I think there's no reason why the Avalanche should be worried about next game unless Miro Haskinen is not available. You mean the Stars not worried? First, but yeah. Even even the Avalanche as well. Like They must have all the confidence in the world here knowing that they could get back on their horse. And they, they had a two-goal lead in this game, right? I said it was 3-1 at the start of the third period. Dallas, just the they've erased a two-goal lead or a two-goal deficit six times in this postseason they've won five of them so if you're Dallas you throw this one out and you get back on your horse tomorrow it's uh it's still the Nathan McKinnon show like he still had an assist two assists in this game so he's up to seven points in three games in this series so that's pretty impressive also impressive the work of Kevin Hayes in the Philadelphia uh New York Islanders game Kevin Hayes scored on the first shot for Philly in the game he added another goal eight minutes later. So two goals for Kevin Hayes in the first 10 minutes. He had the best chance shorthanded at the end of the game. How about, let's get into that because Jean-Gabriel Pajot or John Gabriel Pajot as the Islanders broadcast is referring him to. Um, he's he tied the game, beautiful snipe, right place, right time, received the pass, put it right up over the shoulder of Carter Hart. But after that, the play was challenged for offside. And it was a fail challenge by Philly. So they not only gave up the game-tying goal with two minutes left, but then they were shorthanded. What a massive, massive mistake by Lane Vigneault. And the funny thing is, Michelle Therrien is standing right next to him. And not for a second does Michelle Therrien look confident that that's going to get overturned. I mean, he has a flat face and kind of just like a scrunched brow, just being like, I don't know about this. Like... I don't think at any point he approved of that call. And if you're Elaine Vigneault, taking this risk is not at all worth it. First off, that was a close call. And second off, the only uh, replay option that even could have gotten close to showing you if it was offside was the camera on the other axis that strictly is on the blue line. And that's covered anyways. Like, I don't know, the video, whoever... uh, the video guy is for the Flyers who makes that decision. That was a big mistake. And Elaine Vigneault's got to be thanking the hockey gods that they didn't get scored on on that power play. Otherwise, this is a whole new series and it's based off one mistake. Um, I don't think if if you're a coach in the dying minutes of a game uh, when the score, it was a tying goal. I don't think you challenge it. I think you just leave it be because that you go from winning the game. You're up 3-2. 
to getting scored on. It's now tied. And then you're down a man with the clock only. I think there was only two and a half minutes left in the game. So if uh, the Islanders capitalize on that power play, you're done. You're done. Yeah, and lucky for Philly fans, they didn't take too long in overtime. And it was Philip Myers, the big rangy defenseman from the point. It was from so far away. And that was after Couturier missed a golden opportunity on the doorstep. He put it way up over the net. So good on the Flyers. Tie the series. We want these series to go long, right? The more hockey, the better at this point. But uh, the other game was just a complete blowout. Tampa just putting on their big boy boots. And should the Bruins fans be worried right now with Yarrow Halak? I mean, he did what he could, but is this maybe why he's not a starter? The lack of being able to put it together night after night over a long period of time? No, I don't think so, Ross. Because we're a lot of those goals were from outside the uh, danger area. Yeah, but look at look at the scenario here. This is a back to back playoff game. When in any normal period of time would that have happened? Also. Tuka Rask would be here if this was a normal period and their backup had no NHL experience. I think this is, um, I wanted to talk about this on yesterday's show because I thought it was going to be interesting to see what they do with the goalies, but we forgot about it. Halak, I don't think he stood much of a chance because he's, you said it, he's not used to playing night in and night out, first of all. And then he's a starter in the playoffs, so he's playing a lot of games he's not used to already. And then playing back-to-back games on one of the best offensive teams in the league, you set the guy up for failure. I don't think this is on Yaroslav Halak at all, and it's certainly not on um, Dan Vlader. So goalie-friendly show, I'm not putting this on Halak. I don't think the, that that's a, that's a fair thing at all because this Bruins team gave up on him. Sure, maybe a lot of those goals weren't um, in high danger areas, like you said, but a lot of the Bruins were just turning the puck over. There was countless breakaways for the Lightning here. I think that's just a collapse on the Bruins, and they knew they were done in the second period, and they just gave up. So I think they're saving the tank, and they're going to come, hopefully, firing on all cylinders for next game. Well, the Lightning took a 2-1 series lead with that 7-1 victory. You mentioned Dan Vladder going in, uh, the Czech goalie. That was his first ever NHL game. So welcome to the show, kid. And um, his AHL a- numbers are outstanding. Like, he, he, if you put him in the right place to get a start in the NHL where he knows in advance and he's getting the start and all these things, I think he does a good job. But, man, you put him in a tough spot there. A very tough spot. And now the the Bruins, once again, they're going to have to show what they're made of. Uh, Big Z somehow was uh, even in a 7-1 loss. We're going to get into <laughs> a ton of Sens Abroad stuff coming up, recapping. And you can go on Twitter at Sens Central for the full updated Sens Abroad scoring leaders. But first, we have to tell you about Roman. Because talking about erectile dysfunction isn't always easy. Usually we'll just brush it off or blame ourselves. You know, we say things like I lost my mojo or we just avoid the conversation altogether with played out excuses like I had a long day at work or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it today. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and it's totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan, and if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with two-day shipping. Best part of that? It's free 
two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is the easiest part. Just go to GetRoman.com XXX and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's a way to get a big thumbs up, and that's using Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL. GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL. All one word. So we talked about Jean-Gabriel Pajot. Six goals in 11 games. Man, I miss Pajot. Playoff P. Enough, enough with Paul George being playoff P. It's playoff JGP plus 11 in 11 games. Like this guy's doing it both ends of the ice, but that's no surprise. No surprise at all. If you're an Ottawa Senators fan, this is old hat for Pajot. And I hate to say it, Ross, but man, does he look good in an Islanders uniform? And he's fitting in there so, so well. He is, he's the perfect guy to fit in that team because he's your prototypical third line center. And this team they they rely on rolling all four lines. Like, very rarely is there a big gap in ice time in forwards. I was looking at, um, not not their last game, but the game before. I think Brock Nelson had the most ice time at, like, 17 minutes, and the least ice time was 11 minutes for uh, Ross Johnson. So Which sucks, because you get, get brass back in the lineup. Ross Johnson, an enforcer-type player, is playing over big game brass, who's missed the last three games as a healthy scratch. Yeah, that's and that's kind of a head scratch. <laughs> Speaking of scratches, that's kind of a head scratcher because he seemed to be meshing with um, with this Islanders team, and him and Pajot even hooked up on a couple goals. So yeah, that that's a strange move for me. And if you're Derek Broussard, damn, is that bad timing? I think he's on a contract year. He's been taking little deals here and there. It's really not a good look to be healthy scratch when your team is in a playoff battle right before you're heading into a new contract. Over 51% in the faceoff circle. You got Pager up at 56, and but that's 18 goals in 46 career playoff games for Jean Gabriel. Just bringing it. But let's take a step back here and look big picture. There's no way you give him that six million dollar. Uh, contract over five years, or is it five million over six? Uh, let's check real quickly. But Ross, I think there's no way you do that if you're the Senators. I think if you're the New York Islanders and you're a team where you think he really fits in there, then that's not that bad of a of a play. Six yeah, six years, six at years five at million five million dollars average. So really, the big mistake there was the sixth year, but that's what got it done. That's what Pajot's camp wanted, right? I think if you're the Sens, a five-by-five, five, you're inking that right away. But I think Pajot wanted a little bit more, and it just makes sense for that course. So they, they gave up a lot to get him, and now they're getting the return they wanted. So if the Islanders are planning on making the playoffs every year, which it seems like they're in full contending mode now, this is the guy you want. Pager also just exemplifies what the Islanders love to do, and that's finishes checks. 30 hits in 11 games. Still not the leader in, among Sens abroads. Nicky Figs had 39 hits in 10 games, uh, which was wild. And then you look at the other end of the spectrum. I mentioned Zdeno Chera. One assist in 11 games, minus five, still playing almost 20 minutes a game. Uh is this it for Big Z? Like, are you expecting him to be back next season? I'm not sure, Ross, but then you start talking about this and the Boston Bruins are heading into some big trouble because 
Tori Krug, it doesn't look like he's going to be back. Zdeno Chara, if he's back, is not the same guy he was. I mean, rightfully so. There's a lot of miles on those legs. He's 43. Exactly. And he's a big guy. Like, it's hard... It's hard to keep your body in good shape when you're that he, massive a guy. He played his first NHL games in 1997. <laughs> that's that's wild when you start 23 years that. ago. Yeah, wow. Um, so I don't know what the Bruins are going to do on their back end there. Luckily, Charlie McAvoy uh, is a stud. Brandon Carlo, I'm a big fan of his too. So they've got some options, but when you're losing, well, who knows if they're going to lose Chara? I think he's going to he's going to keep signing one year deals till his body falls apart. Um, when you're when Chara's not the same guy he is and Krug's gone, whew, that's tough. Fun fact about Zdeno Chara: so in his first four seasons in the NHL, those were all on Long Island before the trade that brought him to Ottawa. He was a minus sixty one in two hundred and thirty one games. Minus, what? he was a minus sixty one. In 231 games. He had back-to-back negative 27 seasons. Since then, in 1,322 games, he's a plus 349. He has had the only season that he was a negative was the season after he left Ottawa and went to that rebuilding Boston team. He was negative 21. Other than that, he had one season where he was even. Other than that, his worst season, he was plus 14. And now you look in the postseason, minus 5 through 11 games. So that has to be a bit of a concern if you're looking from a from a Bruins angle. And it's going to be interesting to see how the Bruins bounce back, Pillsy. And we'll be back to break that all down for you. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, where we've got your team every day.